Hello. Hi, Danny. It's Michelle Kwan. Hi, Beatrice. It's Roger Federer here. What's up, Brendan? It's Landon Donovan from the LA Galaxy. Hello, Anna. It's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and Al Harris of the Green Bay Packers. Welcome to SC Featured. I'm Jen Latta. Those are the voices of famous athletes telling children suffering from life-threatening illnesses that their wishes have been granted. I hear you have a special wish, and I'm here to help it come true. Time now for some breaking news. Andy Reid has called a news conference to make a major announcement. We're going to add a new offensive coach to our coaching staff. Charlie Pena is his name. In 2006, ESPN teamed up with Make-A-Wish Foundation to create the My Wish series, each episode documenting the story of children desperately in need of positivity in his or her life and producing a video feature. As the My Wish series enters its 12th year on ESPN, we pull back the curtain and show you what goes on behind the scenes to make these moments truly unforgettable. We'll talk with some of the producers who've been orchestrating surprise reveals And with reporter Chris Connolly, who's been tasked with bringing out the personalities and the emotion of these children and their families. Chris, I know that you are going to downplay your involvement, but how did you first become involved in this production? Well, I was asked. I uh, uh, in two thousand six, Features Unit had the idea to do the My Wish series. And so that first year, I think we did 10 wishes. The first was in Florida with a young man who wanted to meet Jeff Gordon. And we kind of went from there. And I think we've done 63 in the 12 years uh, that we've had the series on. I think one of the the overall ideas going in was to help people understand that Make-A-Wish is not for children solely who are who have terminal diagnoses. The vast majority of the children that we've shared with the ESPN audience are thriving, are doing great, are out there and having uh, great lives and achieving things. And part of the, th- the idea for us was to make sure that people understood that that Make-A-Wish and our series, My Wish, helps kids to have an experience that makes up for the year or two years that they might have had to deal with a life-threatening situation or for the chronic situation that they have to deal with on an ongoing basis. Producer Miriam Greenfield joined the franchise series in its third season. I first got involved in uh, 2009. The first wish was a uh, 10-year-old boy, Cole Johansson. He wanted to meet Chris Paul. I think I was a little bit nervous, a little bit excited. Every My Wish story that I saw before was very, very emotional. Just a highlight of Sports Center. It was a great, great experience. They, they welcomed us into their house. They told us their story. Cole, for a 10-year-old, was very introspective, and that moment that Cole uh, met Chris Paul. Cole said it was the best day of his life, and you know what? It was probably one of the best days that I had at ESPN, and I've been here for 22 years. Producer Lauren Stoll has been a part of multiple wishes. The first My Wish feature she produced was in 2012. I didn't know what to expect. I think that I was very familiar with the Make-A-Wish Foundation and the organization, I knew the idea of, you know, having a wish and having it granted, but I had never really been as familiar with the series, and I just, I really didn't know what that experience was going to be like. I'm definitely not a crier, 
But on that first experience, that day, like I felt emotions that I really hadn't felt. It really is a powerful um, experience to be a part of. 2016 marked the 10th anniversary of the My Wish series on ESPN. Reporter Chris Connolly wrote an essay detailing his experiences interacting with these children and their families and how he is determined to contain his emotions during each interview. I think it's important for me to to be an attentive listener and to help our audience understand exactly what a family has gone through, exactly what a child has had to go through, so you can fully appreciate their resilience, their strength that illness can't take away from them. So that's the thing I try to keep in mind. I, I will say that there are chairs and sofas across the United States that have my fingernails dug into them. There are probably marks on my leg from me just pinching myself to try to hold it together sometimes. But I don't want to take attention or dist- or distract from the story that's being told. And I think that's the most important thing. And I know that you, you purposefully don't always attend the wishes, but to witness when they're talking about their ordeal and when they're talking about what they've been through, how do the families and the kids react to your involvement? Well, I guess my feeling is in the first few minutes of a conversation with a parent, I like to make sure they know that I want the long version. I think when you have a child who's been ill, a lot of people ask you how your child is doing and what's been going on, and you understandably give the short version. You give like the you know the brief overview, and I try to make sure that that parents understand that I want the long version. I want to know all of it, and so I think I hope it can be a useful thing for someone just to tell the whole story, so that we can hear everything that's happened. We can hear all the ups and downs. And we can hear all the effort and love that's gone into sustaining a child through a difficult situation. What would you say is the most difficult part of producing a My Wish story? I would say the most difficult part of producing one of these stories would be documenting the experience candidly and to the best of your ability without getting in the way and intruding on the moment. I think that is the the most difficult part. There's like sensitivities on the side of the athlete where you you want to allow them the space and the privacy to be able to, you know, say the things that they really want to say, not that they can't say it in front of the cameras, but I think there is a line that you kind of toe where you want to be able to document, but you also want to be able to step back and just allow things to unfold once you've kind of gone through the planning process. My biggest fear with doing these pieces is getting in the way of the experience for the child or the family. So a big part of the My Wish franchise is, of course, the reveal, where you let the kids know that they are going to have their wishes granted. Miriam, what goes into conceptualizing and the logistics of putting those together? I would say it's probably the most nerve-wracking part of the process. So you try to be like, okay, what can I do? What can I do differently? Like, how can I make this memorable for the child? Welcome to Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I think that less is more with the reveal. Sometimes we get a little bit caught up with not wanting to ruin the surprise, number one, especially with the older children who are a little more savvy. You have to come up with 
like a little bit of a cover. So, you know, you wouldn't typically think that cameras would come into your home. You have to have an explanation for everything. It is a very kind of complicated process that you try to pare down to kind of the simplest form. But I think ultimately we don't want our cameras to be kind of a hindrance into, you know, the surprise and the level of, you know, excitement that revealing a wish can bring. Can I have a hug? I love you. You're like my <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Are you ready to tell yeah! That's what I'm talking about. Chris and the producers interact with these kids and their families every year. Their stories have an impact on everyone involved. I just have greater respect every day for the the resourcefulness and the courage and the deep compassion and caring that these parents and these families have for their children. I think I have a greater respect for the unquenchable spirit of young people. It's a thrill to be around. I mean, you walk into these homes, it's like walking into a cathedral sometimes. You just feel that so much is going on, so much that's special, so much caring and love in the middle of of a really challenging time. Then you get to see these kids, you know, connect with these athletes and these teams. You get to see the parents watch as their children connect with athletes or teams that they admire or that mean a lot to them and that's an elevating experience that has a kind of uh, that has a kind of transcendence that i think touches all of us so we've had a lot of amazing experiences and a lot of fantastic children one of my favorite wishes was jace andrews and dustin pedroia i remember jace getting to hit a ball over the green monster get up It was fantastic. It was tremendous. And Chase is so smart and so funny and totally on top of things and razzing Dustin. It's like those moments of connection that we're lucky to capture, they're really special. Of course, there are times when a life-threatening illness cannot be cured and a child's life is lost. Katie Morris's wish was granted in the first series of My Wish back in 2006. She was 12 years old at the time. Katie Morris had uh, a form of brain cancer and uh, who wanted to have a special wish. She wanted to meet the Seattle Mariners. But what she wanted to do was to reunite her her youth league baseball team uh, and have them all run the bases uh, in Seattle one more time. And she had a particular friend on that team who had moved to Tennessee uh, and who she'd been told would not be able to make the event at Safeco Field. And so while she was there on the diamond, her friend came through the center field wall and, and joined her there on the field. What? And it was an amazing moment. It's probably as amazing a moment as we've had in my wish. And then last year... We were able to look back at the last year of Katie's life and the effect that the piece that we'd done had had on one of our viewers who had taken a particular interest in her. That viewer was 3,000 miles away in the Boston area. Michael Danzinger, a philanthropist and father of four, reached out to Katie and her family and eventually flew them out to visit Fenway Park. I just wanted her to know that... um that I thought that she and her family, and Katie especially, were sensational. Michael Danziger was profoundly affected by Katie's story, and to this day, it's now 10 years later since her 
passing. I mean, she she passed away nine months after the wish was granted. And to this day, he still wears the ring that, you know, he had originally given her and that she died holding. So it was amazing to be able to see the impact of a viewer being able to share this experience with this family and with this amazing young woman. As sad and painful as it was to recount the last months of Katie's life, to learn what a brilliant sunset it had been, to learn how many moments of joy and exhilaration and fun she'd been able to experience in her last weeks, that was a story we were honored to be able to tell. That's an amazing family. Producer Miriam Greenfield developed a bond with a child whose story she told in the 2010 My Wish series. Anna Schmidt was diagnosed with an enlarged heart at the age of 12, and five months later, she received a heart transplant. Her wish was to meet the Green Bay Packers. We met Anna first at her home to do uh, interviews with her and her family. When we present ourselves to the child, they don't initially know that we're from ESPN. So we usually have to tell them some story like, yeah, we're from like the local hospital. We're just doing a profile on you. Um, Anna really didn't buy our story. She's like, I don't think that's true. Um, so we kept trying to be like, no, no, it really is. We just you know, want to you know, get some video of you You're doing some fun stuff. And she's like, so why are you guys really here? So I was like, okay. One of the really great and memorable things about uh, the My Wish series is when we revealed to them that their wish came true. For Anna, Aaron Rodgers um, and Al Harris taped a video message for her. And the trick was, okay, how did this get to her? So we put something in the mailbox. I went to Lambeau Field the day before, and they stamped it from, like, Lambeau Field so she would think that it was real mail. She looked at it and said, Packers well, what is this? So she got into the house, put the DVD on, and then Al Harris and Aaron Rodgers introduced themselves. Hello, Anna, it's Aaron Rodgers. And Al Harris of the Green Bay Packers. Anna started to cry. She ran to her her parents. And just to see that, to experience that, that pure emotion, I mean, that's, that's that's why we do this. What happened later in your relationship? When I first met her, it was uh, 2010. She she was on Facebook, and she's like, oh, when we were at her house, she was like, okay, where are you on Facebook? I want to I wanna friend you. We became connected through Facebook, and I kind of followed her. Last year was the 10th anniversary of the My Wish series, and we wanted to update Anna's story. And uh, I reached out to Anna. I talked to Anna, and uh, she's exactly as I remembered her. She's now 20. She's a... Uh, junior in college and everything that she's been through she had a heart transplant she spent months and months uh in a hospital uh with cardiologist and she decided that she wanted to be a pre-med major and she wanted to be a doctor she wanted to be a cardiologist she wants to work with children because she felt that the cardiologists and the doctors were so great to her that's what she wants to do in her life and miriam she reached out to you recently. Why? A week after we um, visited 
with her in Green Bay, I was diagnosed uh, with breast cancer. And I was terrified. I thought I was going to die. I posted something very, very emotional on Facebook. And Anna reached out to me. Uh, She sent me a text that I read all the time. She wrote to me. She said, so I saw your post on Facebook, and I'm terribly sorry for what is happening. I know that I'm just the girl that you worked with six years ago recently, but that doesn't mean I care about you any less. I can't fully understand what you're going through because you're your own person, but I can relate immensely. I know people are offering you advice and words of encouragement, but I know that's the last thing you want to hear because when I went through that, those hardships, that's the last thing I wanted to hear. I know it feels like the world has turned your back on you and that you feel like, why me? And that you hate the world. At least those were my points of view. But Miriam, take one day at a time. It's exhausting and ruthless. And it's 120% okay to fall apart as long as you remember that you must get back up. Please, please, please feel free to contact me anytime. I'd love to listen to you. Um, I mean, reading those words now, it's really emotional for me because I still feel that way. That's exactly the way I felt. And I felt that somebody truly, truly understood. And it was okay for me to feel the way that I was feeling that like I wasn't positive and being like, okay, everything will be fine. I kept asking, why me? Why is this happening? And to hear somebody that went through that, it just meant everything to me, and it still means everything to me because I I look at it now because I still sometimes, some days I can't get up, and then I always think back to what Anna said, that it's okay, you know, to fall down just as long as you get up. How do you explain you having been involved in this My Wish production and meeting someone like Anna, who now has had such an impact on your life personally. It's really hard to explain because if you think about it, I spent maybe three days with Anna in person. I mean, I've connected with her on Facebook and texts like that, but I guess it really should be that strong of a connection, but there is, and it's amazing how it almost becomes immediate. I can remember every wish that I did, every child that I met, and we still do communicate. When we come back, we'll hear from Jace Andrews, the boy who hit a home run over the green monster, and the mother and sister of Katie Morris. But first, if you're listening in Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. If you like what you hear, make sure you're subscribed so we're easy to find next time. And if you subscribe in the ESPN app, We can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. We'll be right back. Hey, Jace. What the? You're a big Sox fan down there in Texas. I want you and your family to come up here to Boston, Fenway Park, and join me for a game. I'll see you soon, buddy. Take care. What? Hey, wait, look at the sign. See you soon. Oh, yeah, cool. It changed my life. I mean, that, that, that day changed my life forever. Jace Andrews was born with eight heart defects and has undergone three heart surgeries. He had his wish to see Dustin Pedroia granted in 2014. He is now 15 years old. 
Take me back to that first day when you found out that your wish was going to be granted. What were you doing and how did you feel? Well, uh, I kind of felt odd at first because I was told that it was something totally different. And all of a sudden I get this huge bomb that you know, I was like, what the heck is going on? And then it hit me. I'm going to Boston for the first time and it was kind of just speechless is what it left me like. Did you have any idea that this was happening? Were there any clues, anything that tipped you off, anything in hindsight where you thought, you know, I knew something was up? To be honest, I'm kind of mad at myself. I, I, I had been watching the My Wishes for four, three, three months from then. It just kind of mind-boggled me how I couldn't know that this was happening. My mom and ESPN crew somehow figured out the perfect storm. To, they tricked me. Like, I, I, I'm kind of mad with myself because I, I was like, okay, I've watched the My Wishes. How could I have not recognized Chris Conley? How important did that day ultimately end up being for you and your journey? It made me more confident. It made me have something to say that I've done that no one else has ever done. At that time, I had been, I was expecting a surgery to happen the next day, but I got told that we were going to go to Boston instead in a week and you're not going to have the surgery tomorrow. And so that was a big switch in the right direction for me. Behind every child who is fighting an illness are multiple medical professionals working towards a cure. Make-A-Wish Foundation has a medical advisory council that helps these children in times of need. Dr. Jim Fawner is a pediatric oncologist who practices in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and is chairman of that council. I will tell you that many people uh, would kind of tend to see a wish perhaps as a very nice but sort of an optional experience in the lives of the children that, that I help uh, treat. But I really see it as a medical necessity. It's part of a child's treatment and ultimately their recovery, every bit as important as the medical treatments that, uh, that I or my team uh, help to provide uh, each and every day. But the, the childhood cancer journey for a child and for their family is still very long. Um, and it's very dark. The, the child's outcome is still never certain, and I can never guarantee a cure for any, for any child. And so into this very long and uncertain dark journey is this opportunity for a wish, and, and it becomes this incredible beacon of hope and healing for a child and family. And we see that for, for the, the time of the wish, it brings just a little of the magic and innocence of childhood back into the lives of a wish child and their family in a way that no medical treatment can do. How do you explain that something that, like you said, most people look at as, oh, a nice interaction really can be life-altering? I think um, to, to not see what that child and those families go through day in and day out for really extended periods of, of time, it's, it's really hard to imagine the multiple trips to our clinics, very, very toxic treatments, chemotherapy, radiation treatments, so hair loss and nausea and really being um, isolated away from all of the normal childhood activities. At the heart of any child's recovery is just trying to find ways to allow them to be children. And a wish just comes in and it brings anticipation and joy and hope and, and excitement, and not only for the child, but for siblings and for family members. Uh, it, it just restores that, that childhood focus in a way that we sometimes are not able to do in the hospital. We told you earlier the story of Katie Morris, who passed away at the age of 13. She had her wish granted nine months before she died of brain cancer. Her story impacted people all over the country. For her mother, Terry, and her sister, Jamie, Make-A-Wish provided the entire family 
an opportunity to enjoy Katie's final months. It's nice to be able to remember that that wish, that part of what was happening during such a dark time to have something bright to talk about, something that was good in it all. And it changed all of our lives forever. It, it totally changed all of us. Carrie, what does the Make-A-Wish organization do as far as connecting people? Once you're, you become a part of Make-A-Wish, you're one of the families. You're one of the Make-A-Wish families forever. It's, it's a double-edged sword. It's not a family that you want to be involved with because of what, what it means to be a part of it. You know, you, your child being ill. But thank God that there is an organization that holds people up, gives them something to look forward to, gives them the time and so much effort to make everything be as perfect as they possibly can imagine for that child and their family. In our case, Katie's extended family was her friends um, and they did so much for all of them. Um, Back when Katie was sick uh, in 2005, 2006, I had no idea what Make-A-Wish even was basically. So you can imagine my surprise in the midst of how the horrible time we were going through to have the gift of that break. And I feel very blessed that they gave my other daughter, Jamie, direction. I mean, they did so much for both of my children. Like I said, they take care of the whole family. Jamie is 25, and she is currently working for Make-A-Wish Foundation as a wish coordinator. I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. It feels very comfortable, and it's it means so much to me to be able to help contribute to other wishes and to help try to give other families the same kind of love and support that our family got to experience. I feel so so fortunate that I'm able to work here and that I get to be part of the magic that happens here every day. Terry, could you have ever imagined how much Make-A-Wish would affect your family? No, I really, like I said, when Katie first became ill and they stepped in, I hardly knew what, you know, who who Make-A-Wish was. And When you're going through something like that and you know you're going to, you know, a worst case scenario, lose your child and hopefully not a lot of people have to face that actual, you know, um, I know that not all children become that ill. Uh, Katie was unfortunate that she got a really bad cancer, but to have something so tragic, have some good come out of it. It's a way of healing and moving forward, and I'm so proud of Jamie, and I know that Katie would be so proud of her sister. And 11 years later, we're still doing interviews. We're still being talked about. Our daughter's not forgotten. That's a big gift to think that that your child and and the experience that you went through, it means something. It wasn't for nothing. It can change people still.
That does it for this episode of SC Featured. We'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the My Wish series for bringing us these amazing stories. And an even bigger thanks to those who took the time to share theirs in this episode. To subscribe to the SC Featured podcast, go to the Listen tab of the ESPN app or download it on Apple Podcasts. This episode was produced and edited by David Pierpont. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Jen Latta.